Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today's sermon is entitled The Power of a Bloodline by Pastor Josh Reynolds. In this sermon, he helps us understand that we are all part of the bloodline of Christ and that there is power in the blood. And now, Pastor Josh Reynolds. Bibles, just remain seated. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, iPhones, Bible apps, whatever you use, you can flip those open at this time. I want to jump right into the Word of God in Psalms chapter 139, Psalms 139 for our text today. I want to start in verse 14, but we're going to do some jumping around. Just stay with me. We're going somewhere. Don't get bogged down. I have some details I want to give you and some groundwork I want to give you, but it's it's a very uh, beautiful written psalm by the psalmist of David. Uh, talking about how much we mean to God, uh, our worth to God. And how many of you know that God loves us? God, uh, he, yes, he, he absolutely loves us and he has a plan for us. And David writes it in the only way that he can write it in verse 14 of 139. He says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't you wish you could write like that? I mean like the first time. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book, the King James Version here says, all my parts were recorded like body parts, like your nose, like he wrote it down, like where it came from, who you got it from, like the shape of it. If you don't like the shape of your nose, well, God did it. He knows where it came from. If you, have, you don't like the shape of your ears, God did that. And David writes that you wrote it down in some books, the shape and the size, and you recorded it. In verse 17, he goes on, how precious also are your thoughts to me. How great is the sum of them. If I could count them, David said, they would be more in number than the sand of the seashore. Then I wake and I'm still with you. I love the way the psalmist writes. And the bottom line is what David is trying to communicate and relate to us is that when you start talking about your worth to God, you really can't overstate it. He writes so beautifully trying to reflect on how much God cares and loves and the details that he's wrapped up in. And just with your body, he has it written down in his books. And so when you begin to talk about your worth to God, then I believe you have to go back, all the way back, way back to the Old Testament where you can read about how uh, the Jews and the Gentiles, how they were different. And of course, if you're here tonight and you really don't understand what Gentiles are or Jews are in uh, and, and their differences, uh, if you are not in the Jewish background or lineage, then you are considered a Gentile. And that is why it's so important for us uh, to, to think about this because when Jesus came, the Bible says he came for his people, the Jewish people. And the Bible even went on to say that he went unto his own and his own received him not. But make no mistake about it, even though they did not receive him, he came for them and them alone in the beginning. As a matter of fact, 
he told his disciples one day, he said to them, go out two by two and I want you to go out and I want you to heal people in my name. I want you to cast out demons in my name. But I only want you to do this to a certain section of people, a certain group of people, the house of Israel, the Jewish people alone. That may sound like a strange question, not to pray for anyone else that's outside the bloodline of the Jewish descent. And this is why when we read in the Old Testament, and how many of you get bogged down in the so-and-so begat, so and so and so and so begat. When you read your daily Bible and you get to that part in this Old Testament scriptures, it just wears me out that daddy's daddy's grandpa's daddy's daddy. Why is that important? Why is that in there? Maybe you've asked the question of all the things. I had a few things that I felt like you could have written down there. You wrote down begot, begot, begot. What is that all about? It's all about a bloodline. That's what it's about. It's about understanding and establishing a bloodline that was and is important to the Jewish people like no other. It was a real thing. And even Jesus himself in Mark chapter 5, read it for yourself, the importance of this bloodline. And it was a real thing and real tension that came to pass. A woman came to him and brought her daughter. You'll remember this story that was vexed with devils. And she came and said she's trying to hurt herself. And all kinds of things are happening that are going to lead to suicide. And Jesus makes a statement to her about it is not right for me to give children's bread meaning those Abrahams of Abraham's seed to dogs Jesus called her a dog because she was not in the right bloodline of Abraham but because of this woman's tenacity and because of her love for her daughter and her faith uh, she says to him and you'll remember this Lord even the dogs get the crumbs that fall under the table and Jesus, he jumped all over that. He was moved by that. He said, wow, come on now. I, I'm not even supposed to do what I'm about to do, but you're going to get your healing today. I'm going to jump a whole dispensation. I'm not supposed to do this until after Calvary, but I'm going to jump a whole dispensation because of your faith. Great is your faith. I'm going to heal your daughter today. And so to this current generation, up until today, the bloodline and generations and generations looking back into your family history, we don't really know that much about our bloodlines. I'm clueless about mine. Maybe it's for a good reason. I shouldn't dig too deep. We may, I may be on the hook for something. Most of us don't understand our bloodlines. We don't, we don't go back far enough to look into that anymore. And, it's, and if we did, it would most likely be an obstacle instead of a, uh, 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 something, uh, an asset of sorts. Many in this generation are not proud of their bloodlines. Many uh, don't even know who their father is or their background, or where they come from. There's not a lot of pride in where their family has come from, or where they've taken them. But in this Jewish setting in the Old Testament, it was everything. It was everything. Their stability, their credibility, their ability in the community was all wrapped up in this bloodline. It was tied up in their bloodline. As a matter of fact, the sum total of the Jews was connected to Abraham. He was the one that started it all. And if you weren't connected to Daddy Abraham, then you just didn't matter. You weren't a part of anything. His influence with God started when he made a covenant with God. And God said to him, I'm going to bless everything. Everybody that comes out of you, your seed and your seed, and for generations to come, they made a pact and they made a covenant to be in the seed of Abraham meant that you were the benefactor of everyone that came before you. 
The Apostle Paul drives this home in the New Testament for us when he says, We were aliens, speaking of us Gentiles, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise. It meant when you were a part of the seed of Abraham that you, were, you got the blessing, you could not receive the blessing unless you got into the covenant or unless you were born into it, into the bloodline because you were, if you weren't in the part of that, you just weren't a part of the right stock. You had no inheritance. You were a part of the wrong genealogy. You had no part whatsoever. Does everybody say no part? The power of the bloodline was this, is that when you were in it, when you were in it, you became a benefactor of everyone who came before you. An example of this is found in Hebrews, where a guy named Levi is spoke of there. And the Bible says that God gave Levi credit, check this out, 200 years before he was even born, because of his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, Abraham, that God said that because you paid your tithe and because you gave offerings, I'm going to give Levi credit. I guess you could say it was in Levi's genes. Oh, God. Oh, that was too easy. That's shameless. That's shameless. I'll be here all night. Oh, Uh, I'm sorry. All because of his bloodline, he was blessed. He had no idea what had happened. And God just poured out a blessing on him because of his placement of birth, because he was in the the bloodline. So what does this have to do with us? Get to the point, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. Well, in Ephesians, I'm going to get to the point about the bloodline and why it matters. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that you were chosen. You were chosen from the foundation of the earth, from the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. Before there was a generation of Abraham, you were chosen. Let me tell you what you were chosen for. You were chosen to be put into the bloodline of Jesus Christ. That was the plan from the beginning. You were chosen by God. You were chosen to be here. God knows you by name, and he knew you'd be here tonight. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. To better understand these bloodlines, I found an incredible uh, story the other day. I don't pretend to be an expert in horses, uh, and especially thoroughbreds, but I read an incredible article not too long ago about thoroughbred racing horses. And I found out this, this truth, that thoroughbred racing horses are referred to as blood horses. And for over 300 years, people who deal with these blood horses are called bloodstock agents. And these bloodstock agents are people who go and they buy and they sell these horses. And these horses aren't like your quarter horses, you know, in one out in the pasture. These are like hundreds of thousands of dollars. $400,000 is a cheap deal for a uh, thoroughbred horse or a blood horse. And this stuff is such a science. And these people who know these genealogies about these horses, like you would not believe. As a matter of fact, the bloodstock agents really don't even deal in horses that much at all. They deal in blood. In other words, the the bloodstock agent isn't looking for a pretty horse. They're not looking for a cute little pony. They're not looking for a certain color. They're not even looking for 
big or strong. As a matter of fact, the horse can be sway back, floppy ears and cloudy eyes, and they really don't care. As long as it's got the right bloodline, that's kind of what they're looking for. He doesn't care how much it weighs. He doesn't even care about the outward characteristics of the horse because when you're buying a thoroughbred horse, you're buying a bloodline. And today in North America, the, the North American leading sire is a horse by the name of Stormcat. And if you have a mayor horse tonight and you're interested in breeding that horse to Stormcat, it'll set you back a mere $400,000 to get that done. And there's absolutely zero guarantee that you're going to get a colt out of this deal. None at all. But here's what you're guaranteed to get. You get a colt that is born with cloudy eyes, wobbly knees, barely standing and falling down, and weak and trembling and scared to death in the stall. And it's in that very moment that a bloodstock agent will bust open the door and pull out his wallet and write a check for $400,000 to buy this horse. Let me tell you why. Because a bloodstock agent is not put off by the present weakness of the colt. It's all about the blood. It's all about the bloodline in the colt. Because he understands that what is in that cult is the bloodline. It's the inheritance that... It's the inheritance that is in that cult that the cult is going to produce. In other words, the bloodstock agent will pay that amount of money because he's not buying present-day achievements. He's buying that floppy-eared cloudy-eyed, stumbling-around coat on the achievements of his predecessors. And the worth of the coat is solely attributed to the bloodline that he comes from, not what he's currently producing. In other words, he may look weak, and he may look defeated, and he may look absolutely ridiculous and pitiful, and he may look like he's never going to amount to anything, or he'll never be in the winner's circle, and he's never going to win the Kentucky Derby. But if he's got the right bloodline, the blood agent knows. Here's what he knows. That he's going to overcome every weakness that he's ever had. If he's got the right bloodline, he's going to be okay. He's going to make it out of his current, present situation. He may look weak. He may look anemic. But in the eye of the blood, uh, a blood agent, he is a beautiful baby colt. And the blood agent knows that this wobbly, cloudy-eyed, floppy-eared storm cat has in him delinquent northern dancer, su- south o- uh, oceans, uh, secretariat, nay arctic, native dancer, something royal, bay lord rose, all champion horses. And they're all in the bloodline of this floppy-eared, cloudy-eyed, wobbly-kneed, looks-like-he's-going-nowhere colt. And the power, the power of a bloodline is that you receive all the achievements of those who have come before you. So here's the, here's the point. 
Before the cult is even born, the bloodstock agent pours over the volumes and volumes of statistics that he is looking at and, 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 and looking and digging into the genealogies, trying to research and ensure the probability of the producing of this quality cult. And it takes years. And here I was in Arkansas thinking, you've turned daddy horse loose, you turn mama horse loose in the same cage. Boom, you get a cult. Not the way it happens. They're given a biochemical analysis. They look at the stride and motion test. They look at the cardiovascular system that's studied. 58 different things are used from bone structure to muscle mass to analyze their efficiency. If the front leg structure is not perfect, it causes a horse's projectory to be off and it makes him climb too fast. It catches too much wind underneath his belly. If it flows too low, the maximum velocity is lost from pushing out of the gate. So the hind legs have to be in perfect harmony with the front legs. If the front hoofs hit the ground, too early it creates braking effect and shortens the stride oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah this is a real thing there's a complete breakdown of the mayor and the stallion they get it all together it takes years they strides and foot stride and acceleration of limbs size of heart size of lungs after thousands of mayors are looked at and studied then there's these descendants that are studied and their bloodlines are studied and they're broken down to these individual components and years of research is done <sighs> all to find out what this horse is going to produce. They know before the colt's even born if it's going to be the right size, the capability, the height, the strength, the weakness is calculated. Even before the colt is born, they know what its weakness is going to be. They know down to the size of its nostrils. They know the size of the heart, the body is going to look like, the legs, how it's going to work with it. It's already down on paper even before the colt gets there. And the colt doesn't even exist yet. But just in the mind of the bloodstock agent, it's there. And before he's even born, this cult has a purpose. And before this cult is even born, he has a plan on paper for his life. And before he's even born, the bloodstock agent sees this horse in the winter circle because he knows he's going to have just the right heart. He's going to have just the right lungs. He's going to have just the right stride that's going to produce a beautiful, beautiful winning cult. He sees him overcoming his weakness even before he sees himself over, be, overcoming them because he sees the bloodline that is, this horse is coming from because he has already acquired his victory through his past. That's the power of a bloodline. And that's in the natural. That's what happens in thoroughbred racing. Now let's go quickly to Psalms chapter 39. Let's go back. Listen to the wording. What David writes again. Go back to the very first, first verse of that. He says, oh Lord, you have searched me. The Hebrew word here says that you have researched me. You have researched me. You have found out things about me that I didn't even know existed. You knew me before I even existed. And you started writing it down. You know my setting down, my rising up. You understand me afar off. One translation says you know my weakness and you know my strengths. You know what my stride's going to look like. You know what my ears are going to look like. You know where I'm going to have my strength. You know where I'm going to have my weakness. You know what I can do and you know what I can't do. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You started making me, David said, from the foundation of the world was ever laid. And I just showed up a few years ago on the scene, but I existed way before that. 
With great precision, David said, and with great concern, we were made. We were no accident. You might have surprised your parents. Guilty. But you didn't surprise God. I want to set the record straight here. You didn't, you did come from your parents, kind of. Forget that. You didn't come from your parents. You came through your parents. But you came from God. David goes on, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. God watched me being put together. My substance, substance in the Hebrew means embryo, embryo. In my embryo state, galoom, embryo. When I was in my embryo stage, you watched me being put together. And in my unformed mass, he says, you wrote in your book all about my parts. And you knew where they were going to come from. And you wrote them down. As if, if that's not enough to blow your mind that God knew you in your embryo state. And he puts you all together. He goes... As yet, there were none of them, meaning it didn't even exist yet. But on the drawing board of heaven, God began to write out your body. He began to write out your destiny. He began to write out your plan and your purpose. And he began to write it down on the board of heaven. And our bloodstock agent, God, was putting together our babies. And our babies' babies. And babies we'll never see. He's got them all put together. And he sums it up with how precious are your thoughts toward me, O oh God. If I could count them all, there would be so many. It would be like the sands of the seashore. I'm just come to tell you tonight that you are special to God. God, He knows you by name and He loves you. Do you even know or even comprehend how long God has been working on you? He's been working on you from the foundation of the world. He thinks about you so much. Are y'all tired? Because you've been running through God's mind all day. That's why you can't give up. That's why you can't give in. That's why you can't quit. That's why you can't waste another day doing nothing, going nowhere, thinking you're a nobody. You are a somebody. You have a purpose. You have a direction. It's already been predetermined. You have been chosen by God. And you're better than that. You're better than that. How precious are his thoughts toward you. Oh, my, my, I'm about to preach right now. You're not the product of a moment. You're not the outcome of a day. You're not the conclusion of a year, and you're not the result of a decade. You are a child of eternity. That's what you are. And you're never going to die. You're never going to die. When you leave out of this world, you step into the next. You're going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. But you're going to live forever somewhere. 
Jeremiah chapter 1, he put it this way, before I was in my mother's womb, before I was in my mother's womb, you knew me, you ordained me, and you called me. You called me to do what I'm doing. Oh, my word. What? I heard uh, a, a true story, absolute true story of a couple that they, they had a two-year-old and they were expecting a, another baby and finally she gave birth to their brand new baby and they brought the baby home and people warned them about territorial two-year-olds bringing in a new baby, jealousy, and uh, they said just watch because they can bite, two-year-olds will bite a brand new baby coming in on their territory, you got to watch them. So they watched carefully and one night uh, they were working with the child trying to get him to like his baby sister and, and uh, one night the, the, she was going to put the baby down. And the two-year-old said, I want to go in by myself. I just want to go in by myself and give her a kiss goodnight and tell her goodnight. And they're like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> but they, 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 uh, they relinquished, and they, the baby goes in, and they, they're standing at the door watching. True story. The, the two-year-old walks over to the crib where the baby is, is about to go to sleep. And they hear, they hear the child whisper to the, to the infant in the, in the cradle, Quick, tell me what God looks like. I'm starting to forget. Before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you and you knew him. You just don't remember. It's real. We're going back to the one that created us. You have been chosen. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. You're not just some number sitting in this house today. He knows you. And you know him. Help me out, Pastor Randy. I hasten to a close. The Bible says from Abraham to David was 14 generations. Everybody say 14 generations. From Abraham to David is 14 generations. And from David to the Babylonian captivity was 14 generations. And from Babylonian captivity to Jesus Christ was 14 generations. Abraham, David, Babylonian captivity. Let me get five guys up here real quick. Somebody, don't, be, don't worry. We're not going to do anything crazy. Five, just five gentlemen to help me really quick to kind of take this three, four, five right there. Perfect. Awesome. Come up here, guys. Wonderful. Somebody come right here. Thank you for helping me preach tonight. Give them a hand. <laughs> Wonderful. I'll tell you what. Turn around and face that wall right there, and I want you to do something. Don't be worried. Put your hands on your, 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 your buddy's shoulders in front of you, just like that. Awesome. Wonderful. Don't be nervous. Be a little bit nervous. Stop that. I love it. So get this. 14 generations from, you're going to be Abraham, okay? It started with you. You're kind of a big deal. You had a covenant with God. Because of you, everybody else in this bloodline right here is going to be blessed. It's kind of a big deal. For 14 genera generations from Abraham to David. You ever been David before? No. I think you're the right David because you're a worshiper, I can tell. So David, Hallelujah. 14 generations. And then from Babylonian captivity, it's 14 generations. You ever been Jesus before? I've been Moses. You've been Moses? <laughs> his name is Moses. <laughs> it's not Moses, is it? No. It's not Moses. You're not going to be Jesus no more. You're going to be Jesus. You ever been Jesus before? Fourteen generations to Jesus. Now, here's the problem with this. Now, here, here's the deal. That preaches really well. It's really good. And there's a lot of good stuff in there. But the problem is, and here's what I want you to see about the power of a bloodline. 
We're all Gentiles. We have a problem. I need a blessing for me and my babies, but I can't get in. I need healing, but I can't get in the bloodline. I appreciate what you've done for your bloodline, but I need healing for my baby, but I can't get in. So generation after generation after generation, until the 42nd generation, nobody, we didn't have a chance. We were locked out of the bloodline. And then Jesus came on the scene. The seed of Abraham, the Bible says. And here's the crazy part about this, Jesus. The enemy thought he had a brilliant plan to get rid of you. And it would have been fine if he would have just came and lived and died and been buried. But the enemy outfought himself on this one. He allowed Jesus to be nailed to a cross. And what happened was, after generations of being locked out of the bloodline, when that nail pierced his skin, and that nail pierced his foot, the blood got loose. The blood got loose. We, were no, we couldn't get in. It was locked down. And then the blood started flowing. Calvary's cross was flowing with blood. The came, blood came pouring out. The blood got loose. And the blood was no longer locked in the bloodline. It was no longer one nationality or one race that could get to the blood. For he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of his peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Suddenly. Suddenly. What we had no right to. What we couldn't break into. Suddenly got loose. And the blood started flowing. Suddenly, it was for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, white man, black man, Asian man, woman who's messed up, a man that's messed up, Whosoever will can find freedom in the blood of Jesus. Oh. Well, you don't understand my weaknesses. You don't understand my addictions and my problems and my issues. I've come to preach to you that you got a bloodline. The blood makes you an overcomer, not by your own achievement but by your predecessor that gave his blood for you. Now, here's, how, here's where it gets just ridiculously powerful. Because of the cross, because of the blood, we've already overcome death. Because of the blood, we've overcome sin, and because of the blood, we've overcome hell. I'm weak. I'm trembling under the weight of life. 
It may seem like I'm a nobody with nothing and I don't understand that I don't, I, I don't have much in this life, but you are a part of a bloodline that is unbelievable to you. Let me tell you what happens with a bloodline. It means when you hook up with Jesus, you get Abraham's faith. You get, you get David. You get his praise. You get, now, now, hang on, hang on. That's why some of you act up in church with your worship and pray. You can't help it. It's in your blood. It's in your blood. When you got Jesus, you got Samson's strength. You got Gideon's faith. You got Abraham's faith. When you get a part of the bloodline of Jesus, you get it all. Somebody thank God for the blood right now. Somebody thank God for the blood. Hey, listen. It's in our blood to get up again. On the third day, Jesus said, I can't stay here. I got to get up. Listen, it's in your blood to get out of the tomb. It's in your blood to get up again. Don't worry about the enemy that's knocked you down. He's trying to convince you that you're a nothing and a nobody. I've come to preach you're a part of a royal priesthood. You're a part of a chosen generation. Listen, you need to love again. You need to dream again. You need to try again. doesn't matter who you are, where you have been, what you've been involved with. It's not greater than the blood. It's not greater than the blood. So powerful. Stand all over this house. It's so powerful about the blood. Let me tell you, one of the greatest things about this, when you get Jesus and you get into the bloodline, you don't, it doesn't stop with you. You get to pass it down to your babies. Listen, if you don't want to serve God for any other reason, serving God for your babies would be enough. It would be enough. You can, you can pass it down. The blood of Jesus overcomes every fear, every depression, every attack from the enemy. It cannot overcome you. When you were a Gentile, when you were a Gentile, and you still are, kind of, you've been adopted in. You have royal blood flowing through your veins right now. You are a champion. You're a champion. You're chosen. You're blessed. You're favored. And the best thing about it, it's not your achievement. It's about the cross. It's about the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross. I'm preaching tonight about the blood. I'm preaching to you about when you get yourself under the flow, the crimson stream of blood, it's not too late. You say, I've wasted years. Let me tell you, listen, he can restore the years. He can restore all that at the foot of the cross. Maybe you're here tonight and you said, I've done too much. I've gone too far. I'm preaching about a blood that can conquer anything. Anything. You don't have a list long enough. You have been invited to participate and get in the bloodline of Jesus. That's what you've been, that's what you've been invited to do. Now, here's my, here's my thought for tonight, my closing argument. No matter what your daddy was like, no matter what your mama was like, no matter how far you go back, no matter what your heritage has been. Jesus said, 
I'm inviting you into a family. Maybe you're here today and you don't really understand what this family is all about. Jesus has a family that he's invited you in. Because of his blood that he shed on Calvary's cross, you have been invited. You have been made acceptable. You have been made perfect. You have inherited the achievements from your predecessor. I think we ought to get happy about that tonight. I think from the balcony to the floor, we ought to give a shout of praise. We ought to thank you for the blood. We ought to give a... Thank you. Thank you. Be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. If you need something from God right now, be a good time to lift up your hands and say, I know I'm not worthy, but I'm calling on a name that's above every name. I'm calling on the name of Jesus. I'm saying I'm pleading the blood for my family. I'm pleading the blood for my babies. I'm pleading the blood for my church. Have your perfect will in my family and in my life in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Plead the blood. Come on. Plead the blood. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.